This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. study and show yourself approved. You need to encourage one another. You need to bring correction when someone preaches something that's not in the Bible or practice anything that's not in the Bible. You need to bring it with love. And if people start talking about things that doesn't glorify the body, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and I leave you with this. Well, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amid the world's deceitful promises, it can be easy to leave God behind and bend to the pressure. Today in his message, Pastor Eddie stresses the importance of clinging to the doctrine of God's Word, no matter what storm you're heading into. The Bible offers not only spiritual guidance, but an unwavering compass to navigate the treacherous waters of this world. Live beyond instant gratification. Invest in the everlasting truths of God's grace. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. As he continues his message, Warning Against False Doctrine. You know, sometimes I meet some of my friends, you know, who realize, oh yeah, you're a preacher, yeah, you know, you go to church, you're a Christian, yeah, and you know, I listen to this guy. And the guy they mentioned is like, I'm not like this guy. It was great. I, I watched him on TV. Yeah, you know, the guy was always smiling, you know? Always starts off with a joke. And it was great. And you ask him, well, what did you learn from that? I don't know, but I felt really good afterwards. <laughs> what Bible? I don't know. Somewhere in the Bible, Genesis? You know, you start quoting Bible books. Ah, but it made me feel good, you know? Sad to say, we find many churches here that are doing that. They're straying away from the gospel. They preach to teachers without a pure heart, without conscience, without sincere faith, putting aside the gospel, biblical doctrine, and now they're in idle talk, meaningless stuff, and it's in the pulpit. They're motivational speakers. That's what people want. They want to be told how to feel good about themselves, but not who you really are. When you realize who you are, you realize Jesus is, you feel good. All they do is tickling the ears of the people. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he writes this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine according to their own desires because they have itching ears. They want to hear, make me feel good. Tell me how great I am. They'll heap up for themselves teachers. We don't like that teacher because he tells me the truth. He's telling me that without Jesus, I go to hell. Yes, that's what the Bible says. But the other teacher, he doesn't bring the Bible. He doesn't give me all that stuff. I don't want so to heap up for themselves teachers. And they would turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Yeah, how do you use those drones again? Yeah, that made me feel good. I like that story. It's about drones. You know, as for me, I fear God. I fear God because of who he is, number one. 
I fear God because the responsibility that I have, I do not take it lightly. Because James tells me, James chapter 3, verse 1, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. This is serious stuff. Because the word of God is serious. Now, the approach of the Bible with scriptures and church and sermons has been diluted in so many ways. Oh, church, eh, sermon, oh, okay. You know, I don't take it like that. I would not teach anything outside of the word of God. I would not tickle the ears of people. I'm not going to give you a motivational message about a better you because I'm teaching the Bible. And I depend on the word of God because it's for me too. It's for me too. And if I offend someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ, so be it. So be it. And I'm not going to be sorry because it's the word of God. Don't kill the messenger. I didn't write it. I'm just relating to what the Bible says. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. And the sword divides families. How many of you who believe in Jesus Christ, you've been turned away from your family because of your faith in Jesus? That's the sword. Separate those who believe and receive the gospel and those who have rejected the gospel. So I'm not going to be a poly. I'm not going to be sorry for the God. I'm going to preach the gospel. The gospel is offensive to the world. It is offensive. Even the nativity scene nowadays is offensive. Yeah, a little nativity scene, you know, a little wood, major scene with a little baby Jesus. That's offensive. Meanwhile, there's almost in every billboard and magazines, there's pornography. But the nativity scene is offensive. Anything about Jesus and God is going to be offensive. I'm kind of paraphrasing what Charles Spurgeon said. How much... Rather offend you with the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing you in heaven, than to tickle your ears and see you go to hell. It's the truth. I have to answer to God. Verse 7, Paul writes, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. A more specific issue in the church of Ephesus with these false teachers is that there were Judaizers there. And Judaizers, what they love to do is mix Judaism with Christianity, the law with grace. What is a Judaizer? The word is from the Greek, meaning to live according to Jewish customs. And those ladies, you're studying Galatians, a great book, a great book about legalism, Judaism, and Christianity. The Galatian church, they were Gentiles. They knew nothing about circumcision. They knew nothing about the Torah. They knew nothing about, uh, you know, the Mosaic law or the practice of Judaism. They never knew that, but they gave their lives to the Lord. They accepted Jesus Christ. They were born again. And Paul said, now they're learning how to be Jewish. Oh, this is what the Jews do. Oy vey, I didn't know that. Now they're eating kosher food. They love the bacon cheeseburger, but now they're eating matzo balls. Because they thought it would make them more religious. Right? And Paul said, what, are you continuing in the flesh what began in the spirit? You were born again. You're right with God because of Jesus Christ, not because of religion. So this was a Judaizer. They would believe and teach that in order for a Christian to truly be saved, to be right with God, he or she must conform to the laws and the commandments. All the commandments. All the commandments. How many commandments are in the Bible, guys? 613. You guys are great students. 
613 commandments. Everybody know the Ten Commandments? 613 commandments. The Ten Commandments, the moral laws. You had the Levitical laws then. Then you had the civil laws. Okay? They all make, add up to about 613. It is divided 365 do's and 248 don'ts. You want to be a Judaizer? You want to be Jewish? Okay, 365 do's. You got to do this. Three, you know, name all 365, and you can't do this 248 times, you know, whatever it is. You can't eat bats. That's one of the commandments. Darn. I want to see how a bat would taste between a slice of bread. No, just kidding. But it's an unclean bird. That's the reason why. So there's a whole bunch of laws. Now, no man has ever fulfilled the law. No man ever, ever, ever will ever even fulfill the law. Only one. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled all the laws and the prophets. As a matter of fact, he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law, all the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. We were not saved, each and every one of us. We're not saved by the law. We were saved by grace through the one who has fulfilled the law through Jesus Christ. And yet their people are very religious. They need to do this. They need to do that in order to be right with God. No. You've been saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Here it is. Not of works, speaking of the law, lest anyone should boast. You, if ever, you can ever fulfill 613 commandments. You would say, well, Lord, I did it. <laughs> you owe me something, right? You can't even fulfill the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many gods we have? TV, cars, sports. We're not saved by the law. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So Paul says these teachers are designed to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Now, Paul knows what he's talking about. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. No one knew the law better than Paul in his day. And you know, it's a very dangerous thing. And listen to this, a very dangerous thing to add to the law, add works to the already finished work of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he said one word, in the Greek, it's one word, telestai. It is finished. Not to be completed by you, by your works. Not to be completed by how much you pray or how many chapters of the Bible you've read. Not to be completed by feeding the poor, all the works that you do. It is finished. And we need to be careful with this Jesus and doctrine. Jesus and doctrine. Again, you ladies are learning this with Galatians. The Jesus and doctrines is Jesus and religion, Jesus and works, Jesus and the law, Jesus and rituals, Jesus and give me your money, Jesus and pray facing to the east three times a day. That's the Jesus and doctrine. It is finished. The complete work of salvation is finished. And when we come to Jesus Christ, you know, we lack nothing. We are complete. Colossians tells us we are complete in Christ. We have been sanctified positionally. We've been righteous positionally. We are complete positionally because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Now we still need to work that process and glorify God. But as soon as you accepted Jesus Christ, he answers your heart. 
You're complete in Jesus. You lack nothing. Nothing. Now, the TV evangelists would say, well, <laughs> you know, some would say, Jesus ain't coming until you get your house. They had the audacity and the nerve to speak that type of doctrine. It's crazy. This is why we need the Bible. And there are people still to this day that follow TBN, and I'm going to say TBN, TBN teachers, not all, but 99, well, 90% of them, give the others benefit out. Excellent you, make you feel good, and tell you you need to sow a seed of $1,000, and God would bless you with 100000 Or some would say, listen, I need a new jet. I had two others. And it's sad. It's sad. It is to Christ alone, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, if you want to live by the law, by all means, go ahead. Live by the law. You will never fulfill it. If you want to live by the law, this is what James says. You want to go by the law? As the Galatians went, they went back to the old, you know, rituals. He said this in James chapter 2, verses 10, 11. He says, for whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. Just break one out of the 613 commandments. You break one, you're still guilty of the other 612. For he, speaking of the law, who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. In other words, you break the law one time. Let's say you broke the speed limit. Nobody has break the speed limit, right? Nobody. <laughs> you break the speed limit. You're already a lawbreaker. Whether you're caught or not, but let's say if you're caught one time, you're considered a lawbreaker. If you commit one crime, you're already a criminal. <laughs> so the same thing with the law. You can never fulfill the law. But praise God that we are made right, not by the law. We're made right through Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law. Verse 8, he says... But we know that the law is good. All right. We can't follow the law, but the law is good. Yes. Romans chapter 7, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just, and good. Then in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual. So the law is holy, just, good, and spiritual. What is that? I thought you said we don't have to follow the law. Now you're calling it, you know, Holy, just, good, and spiritual. Why is it called holy, just, good, and spiritual? Because it points to and it speaks of Jesus Christ. Let me explain a little bit more. The law was never given to man for man to fulfill the law. The law was given to man, given to you and I, so that we could see how holy God is and how sinful we are. When we look at the law, he says, oy vey, look at all those laws. God is holy, and it's hard for me to keep my flesh from breaking these laws. But it shows how holy God is and how sinful I am. The law makes me aware that I'm a sinner. That's why the law is holy. That's why it's just, it's good, and it's spiritual. Now that we know, he says, verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. All right. We learn that the law cannot save, but we learn that it's holy, just, good, and spiritual. How do you use the law lawfully? How does that work? How does that look like? 
Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Make that note in your Bible so you know the answer. Paul writes, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. It showed us we were sinners. It showed us we needed a Savior. That we might be justified by, not the law, by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer are under the tutor. That's why the law is there. That's why it's good. It points to Jesus. As long as the law points to Christ, then and only then are we using the law lawfully. It's to point to Jesus. Whenever we looked at the law, I said, wow, if it wasn't for Jesus, look what I had to do. Look at the things, the 365 do's and 248 don'ts I have to do. You see, the law shows you how much you're a sinner. When you come to Christ, we look at the finished work of the cross. It's no longer for us with the law, do, 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 but it's what Jesus has done, done, done. So when you use it lawfully, it just points to God. That's what he means by that. They're using the law. These legalistic false teachers were using all. We got to follow that law. Wait a minute. No, we don't. Now, the moral laws, by the way, just so you know, I don't want you to leave out of here and say, well, I could kill somebody because Pastor Eddie said we're not under the law. It says thou shalt not murder, but I can murder somebody. No, out of all the 613 laws, the moral laws, thou shalt have no other God before me, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt lie. All those laws, those we still keep, obviously. Jesus gets it further. You heard it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. I say, if you commit adultery in your heart, if you commit murder in your heart, you know how much murder? We all, I could tell you, we all committed murder because of hate. Jesus goes on. Why hating someone is murder? Well, because you know. You know the consequences if you follow that hate. When you hate someone, you follow it with murder. Oh, I wish I want to get, oh, I want to drown this guy. I want to kill him because I hate him. That's why hate in the heart is murder. You don't follow your hate because you know the outcome. If you kill someone, you're going to go to jail, right? So, don't commit murder. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person. Who's the righteous person? You and I. Positionally, we're righteous with God. We still need to work. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes that, For he, speaking of the Father, made him, speaking of the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah 61, 10 the prophet writes, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So positionally we're righteous, but we're practically dirty, rotten, sinful sinners. That's what Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For the, all have sinned, all, and all fall short of the glory of God. So the law is not made for the believer, for the righteous. However, it is made for those who are not saved, those who are not born again, those who have not repented, accepted Jesus Christ. Paul lists now 14. He goes, but it's for the lawless, the insubordinate, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for the unholy, and profane for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers is speaking about all murders in general, and that includes killing the unborn. For manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, referring to homosexuals, 
for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. He lists 14, but he concluded his inventory of sinners, and he ends with an all-inclusive reference to any behavior that is contrary to sound doctrine. These are the people that need to see the law. They're subject by the law. Verse 10, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, verse 11, according to the glorious gospel, the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So the Ephesians teachers were not teaching the glorious gospel of God, but they were teaching doctrine, fables, and endless genealogies. And you know, this is the very reason, now listen, this is the very reason why the people of God perish. The people of God perish, they struggle in a cycle of ups and downs, and they fall into all kinds of false doctrine and unbiblical practices. It's because they have not learned the truth of the gospel and sound doctrine. The Lord spoke to the prophet Hosea. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says this, My people are destroyed. For what? For lack of knowledge. Why? Because you have rejected knowledge. We perish. We perish. We go in this cycle. And we fall to all kinds of things that are not biblical. And because it looks spiritual, it sounds spiritual, it smells spiritual, oh, it's spiritual. Let's look at what the scripture says. Now listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only a way of thinking, it is a way of living. And it always involves both doctrine and practice. What we learn in scripture is doctrine and practice. Once we learn the doctrine, then now we put it into practice. What happens is people just want the practical without the doctrinal. I just want a feel-good message. No, let's look at doctrine first. And this is why we struggle. This is why the Lord has to speak to the prophet. Because we are destroyed. We perish because of lack of knowledge. We need to trust in the Lord. Ultimately, as Paul writes at the end, is that all has been entrusted to me. The gospel in which I preach, he says, the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. You have the word of God in your laps. It's been committed to your trust. You need to study and show yourself approved. You need to encourage one another. You need to bring correction when someone preaches something that's not in the Bible or practice anything that's not in the Bible. You need to bring it with love. And if people start talking about things that doesn't glorify the body, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and I leave you with this. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Saints, study the word. Don't be deceived. Learn the word of God. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie's been taking us through the book of 1 Timothy in this series, which is found in the Pauline Epistles. Within its pages, you learn everything there is to know about becoming a pastor and leading a church during the final years of Paul's life. He knew he wouldn't be around forever, so he penned instructions that would serve future generations of pastors. God used Paul to begin his church and to serve as a role model to those who follow him. If you're looking for help applying this to your life, Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. 
For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of 1 Timothy. For today, our time has come to an end. But we'll be back again next time, and hope you will too, to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of 1 Timothy, here on Running the Race.